Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Oh, wow. Our open house is like, hey, yeah, uh, you want to come with me to a street festival and stuff? And it might not be church, but you should just come and just see this open house. So just check it out. You don't have to buy the house. Just come and see the house. We have a baptism coming up next week. Uh, next couple of weeks, here's what's coming up. We have a, a lobby service or two coming up here. So it'll be more kind of like a little bit more unplugged. So if you hate the electric guitar player. Um, we're going to have an amazing baptism service next week, and we're going to do communion at baptism service. And so if that's your, if you've never experienced that, I'll just do a little bit of teaching about that, and we'll have our worship service just uh, packed in that lobby space. And that's going to be awesome. Then we have uh, small groups week, and I have five for five communicators from uh, Benny Airdrie, who are not me, just telling you they're just going to come up. They got five minutes on the clock, man. They got to tell you why they love Benny small groups and what God has done in their lives. So come on. That's going to be fun. All right, welcome to the, uh, the Enneagram um, part four. This is the last of our Enneagram series here. When we get back into um, the open house, I'm starting a series called Church in the Wild. Church in the Wild. We're going to talk about who church is for. Because I know everybody thinks that church is for somebody, but so does Jesus. And why don't we figure out what he thought the church was supposed to be for. Right? Turn to your neighbor and be like, that's good. I might need to change my mind a little bit. Uh, welcome to the Enneagram part four, the head triad. I'm not going to go back and we've talked about the heart triad. We've talked about the gut triad, which I happen to be in. Now we're going to talk about the head triad. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God, Jesus says, with all of your heart triad, with all of your soul. I'm just going to call that uh, the gut triad. Why not? With all of your mind and meaning some of us don't love God with all of our mind and with all of our strength. And then it says, and love your neighbor as, as well as you love yourself. Which means if you still wish that you were somebody else or don't appreciate who you are and what you need to do to get to the next step, how can you love God? You don't. You, you, how can you love your husband? How can you love your kids? How can you love your students, if you don't love yourself and the self that God made you, and you're actually working on you, you're just busy working on everybody else. And so what we are going to talk about today is the head triad. The investigator, number five, the loyalist, number six, and the enthusiast, the Peter Pans, number seven. Fear is the main motivator of the head triad. Now, as we're discussing the Enneagram, this is about like what motivates you as a person, and this also begins in your childhood. Now, the whole point is not that you stay there and be motivated by fear forever. Yeah. This is not a personality test. It's like, hey, this is the way God made you. No, this is the way that you are. And let's let God start dealing with the yeah. motivators. Because, I mean, the gut triad, being motivated by anger is not a great thing. Being motivated by shame, heart triad, is not a great thing. But this is so that God can reveal it because he can't, he can't heal what there's no light on. And so this is, uh, I'll be preaching out of the Word of God with three stories, and, and three stories about people maybe in the head triad. Did you know that your brain was present every sin you ever committed and in full agreement? Like, the Holy Spirit was the one who was like, don't go over to his house. And your brain is like, I can handle it. Don't drive this fast, and your brain's like, I can handle it. The law does not apply to me. Come on, man. Uh, you're buying something. You're, it made sense to your brain when you bought it. And the Holy Spirit's like, dude, you're going to sleep on the couch for a month if you buy that truck. 
You know, your, your brain, and yet we trust our brains. And yet we have placed full trust in our brains. We place full trust in some things that can't be trusted because they need to be renewed. The Word of God says that, that you need your mind renewed by the Word of God, which means there's another layer of brain that God wants to bring to you that's actually from His brain. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, we love your brain, but it's un, unrenewed. Yeah. We can't really trust it, but you seem to. They're thinking like, oh my goodness, I couldn't be wrong about all this. Yeah. <laughs> you might be. You might be. Uh, with the Enneagram test, I would just trust, uh, you know, I would just ask you to just trust the process. Give the, the Holy Spirit about six months to help you figure out what it is that you are in your wing. I haven't really talked about that very much. This is just kind of an opener series to get, get you exposed to a little bit. We'll have Enneagram small groups. We have one running right now. But the idea is to get you exposed to it, but I've taken three tests, and I still haven't come out what I actually am, meaning what my mom and wife told me that I am. And so give it some time here. Don't try to put yourself in a box, and that's not the purpose of all of this. Uh, I'm preaching out of a book called The Road Back to You by a man named Ian Morgan Cron. So this is where all my research is coming in. But, but okay, we're going to talk about the investigators, the researchers. Number five, have we got any researchers in the house? Okay, here's, here's how you know. I'm not a researcher. I had to research that book. I would rather stab myself in the eyes than research stuff. Like read a book on paper? That's a thing? But then I asked somebody who you might know if you're on the dream team, Renee, who loves investigating stuff. Like, would you mind investigating some of this for me? And you know, for somebody to ask me, I'd just be like, don't ask me that. She, she just about fell off her chair. She was just like, oh. Finally, somebody asked me. See, when you're operating in your gift, it's all good. But just don't ask me to research anything. I think, therefore I am, the investigator, I I think. I think, therefore I am, I think. I left the head tried until the last because I just wanted you all to get so stuck in your heads that you needed the Holy Spirit to unwind you because I know you've already done the research and you're getting all off topic and I'm just like, okay. The investigator. Has anybody in the house uh, ever given your kid a present or given somebody a present and then insisted that they read through the instruction manual before they're allowed to play with the present? (laughs) You monsters. (laughs) Or you come on, you're out there. You've got a kid that has to read through the instructions of a toy before playing with it. Oh my, I, I got an invest, I got somebody in my house an investigator. She got, she got facts on facts on facts on facts. She knows stuff that I'll never know. We love the investigators. Um, if I get an Ikea shelf, I'd like just start putting it together the way that my gut tells me to. <laughs> and then I get to step 68 where it should look like this and it doesn't. And I'm just like, I quit. I quit life. I quit. I'm going out. I'm just going away. And then Aaron comes in and is like, well, you didn't put widget B into subparticle. She's like, did you even read the instructions? I'm like, they were in Spanish and I couldn't. I don't have 68 steps. I don't have 68 steps, but my life doesn't have 68 steps. Ikea, revenge of the Swedes, man. What it's like to be a five. I can take care of myself. If, If you're a five or if I'm a five, I can take care of myself and so can you. So read more books, guys. I often feel awkward around people, though. I need time alone. Thoughts are more reliable than feelings. In fact, if you ask me how I'm feeling, I might tell you how I'm thinking. 
That makes sense to a five. I need a couple days to process and experience. Well, hopefully after this, you start experiencing things as they come because that's where the magic is. But I need a couple of days to process things, and I'm just going to hold judgment until I have enough time to process things. Why get together to just hang out? They don't go to small group to like, what, play games? Why would you play games? Like, What are we learning, everybody? We are researching something, and it better be meaningful. <laughs> Coffee is great, and that's great, and the weather, it's still there. What are we learning? Like, That's why we're hanging out. Uh, being uninformed in a group makes me nervous, though. Like, what's the meeting about? Tell me what the meeting is about. It's a surprise. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, material possessions don't make me happy. Isn't that interesting? If you have a, a five in your family, like, learn the, the lack of material covetousness. They just, it's just not their thing. They just know, like, you know, stuff doesn't make me happy. Learning, though, makes them happy. A healthy five has a long view of things. Because they are well studied. A healthy five will have the appropriate balance between observation and participation. But the more unhealthy they get, they start to observe uh, more and participate less. They'll be the people on the edge of the party. Every move you make, every breath you take, I'll be watching you and judging you a little bit. But a healthy five has a depth of knowledge in multiple areas and is willing to share it with you. Just ask them. They've researched it. But an average, if you're only in an average place, uh, what happens to a five, and this might help you with your child understand that there's a scarcity mentality that starts seeping in, like there's not enough to go around. There's not enough energy. There's not enough minutes in the day. I have to be careful with what I've got. And so it keeps them from pouring out sometimes when they should pour out, when it would be good to pour out, but it just kind of, they, they, they start getting a little too careful. They'll trade thinking for feeling. They'll tend to rely on themselves and what they know and not on faith. But did you know that faith is God's currency? Not need, not what you know. Faith is. Faith is this. There's this unknown aspect of it where God's like, trust me. And we're like, explain it to me. And God's like, you'll see Jesus talking to Nicodemus in a minute. And he'd be like, I can't. <laughs> I could explain it to you. But, and he tries, but he doesn't get it. When they're unhealthy, they won't depend on anyone for anything. They just go into their little knowledge box. They get trapped in believing that there's not enough, and they get real cynical about it. Now, the strength of a five, this is what I love about a five. If you have a five who's a realtor, they'll be like, from what you've told me, from the information I've gathered, this house is not for you. <laughs> you should really buy a house from somebody else because I'm just not doing a good job. They will give you neutral Information Like, here's pluses and here's negatives, and if it hurts me, I don't care. But here's, what, here's all the information. You decide. And that's a, isn't that a beautiful thing? They're just not affected by that sort of thing. Whereas a seven, we're going to find out later, is like, you need this house and that house. And you need that house because it's really big. <laughs> budget. Oh, right. What was the budget? Just get them all, guys. <laughs> seven. Peter Pans. Oh, that was going to be fun. They're good people to tell your secrets to as well. Not Peter Pan's, man. Don't tell your secrets to a seven. And enthusiasts are just like, oh my God, that's amazing. And like, you're like, whoa, 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 secret, quiet. But to uh, an investigator, they will keep it quiet. But, but here's a weakness of the investigator. If you're an investigator, you love research. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Your wife says the toilet's not, it's not working. You will spend 18 hours researching toilets. You will know what the Greeks did. You will know what the Romans did. You will know the first person who had a toilet. 
You will know all of these things, but by the end of the day, she will come home from work and be like, I can't use the toilet because you didn't fix it. You got distracted. I don't care about the Greeks. I'm not Greek. I just need to go to the bathroom. It's a weakness. They get a little bit distracted. They'll get distracted. In, they get a little lost in the sauce, everybody. And if I know fives, they, they start like they're getting lost in the Enneagram right now. They're just like lost in like the, the Enneagram. That sounds like pentagram. Let's study the pentagram. Whoa. <laughs> Enne just means nine and gram just means a picture of nine things. And that's all that it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Relax. We got your back. Uh, the core sin is this thing called avarice, which is a desire to protect what little they have, which is like a siege mentality. Now, that's not what God made you for, everybody. It takes faith to step out over the wall sometimes that you build around yourself. But what happens is you just like, there's not enough to go around. I'm just, and you just start, and you build a wall around yourself. Well, man, you were made to run. You were made to go out there and just be fearless every day. God did not make you to build a wall and just keep it, just keep everything safe because it's called being in a siege and you will eventually lose. If the devil can get you to build a wall around yourself, you will lose. It will siphon out. That's not what God had in mind for you. But they're, they're, as children, they often had, and this might be your story, just see if it resonates with you. They often had parents who were either emotionally detached, so they just went to this place in their heads. They just created this room where books were. you know, Or they had maybe caregivers who were overly intrusive. Like, Mom, why are you always in my room? Leave me alone. I'm trying to read a book. Like, they need quiet time. They need space. They need a bit of isolation just so they can think. And if you're always up in their business all the time, then they, they'll retreat to this place here where they, they can create a safe place in their brains, and that's where they go. Often they felt invisible. Something for a five to try this week before I move on is you'll have to risk a bit of your privacy to emotionally connect. Because life is not just about intellectually connecting, it is about emotionally connecting. Did you know that we built Venue Church to help you emotionally connect with God? Here's my, here's my thinking in that. You make decisions right here. Right here. If you're married, you didn't get married because everything worked out here. I'll, I'll catch you with logic. I'll catch you, of course, it's going to be logical. It has to make sense. But that's not what, where you make decisions. We want you to feel something about God. We want you to meet him. When you meet him, you can't not feel something. So love him or hate him, but just don't leave him on the shelf. He won't sit and he won't stay. He's the God of the universe. And so that's what, so fives though, you're going to have to risk privacy. You're going to have to risk a bit of your, your to, to actually involve, uh, get involved emotionally with people. And here's another thing, fives, that you might not understand about yourself because it's accidental, but you un- unwittingly tell people that, that they need you a lot more than you need them. I can guarantee that's how one of your kids feels right now, or one of your friends feels like, or your somebody, one of your employees. You, know, you 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 tell them that because you're so learned and smart. You're just like, I got it, and so you should have your stuff too. And that's what you tell them. That's not what you want to tell them, but that's what you tell them. But here's how to think of a five if if you're in a relationship or one works for you. If they're even around you, they think you're special enough to give up their privacy for, and they haven't done that since they were kids. Everybody. And they were forced to when they were kids. But that means you're special to them because you're in their space a bit. And, and so start seeing it like that. They, they have a little bit of trouble emotionally connecting, but give them a little bit of time and you'll start to, to see it. Now, here's a story about Nicodemus and Jesus. It says there was a man named Nicodemus who was probably five. You'll, you'll see this, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. He had as much education as you could have in Israel. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he's like, we can't deny some of these things, but I don't understand. You ever seen God fix a family and you're like, I don't understand. Why? Or save a sinner? I, why would God save a murderer? Why? I don't understand, Jesus. There's just so much I don't understand. Jesus replies, I tell you, watch his, his I tell you the truth. Whoa, 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 what do you mean the truth? I know the truth. No, no, no. Nicodemus, investigators, you know facts. Millions and millions of facts. Jesus is like, I tell you the truth. It's overcomplicated. Just because you know facts doesn't mean you can put them in the right place. Knowledge, it says in the word of God, puffs up, but love edifies. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So gather all the knowledge, but it puffs up. We need something that edifies. Jesus is like the truth, actually, edifies. That I tell you the truth, he says, unless you are born again, and then he just blows his brain. You cannot see the kingdom of God. We got anybody who's like not from a church background, you're like born again. Watch what Nicodemus did. If you're a five, this is what you've said. What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Why are you so literal, people? What? The toilets used to be, what? He just gets lost in the sauce. Jesus replies with, now watch where he goes. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Now he's in a whole other parallel universe up here, the Nicodemus, and you will never get to. And he's just opening, cracking the door open. He's like, humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And the baby doesn't know how it happened. And you're not the Holy Spirit. He says, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Then he says this, the wind blows wherever it wants. And he's just saying, I'm showing you an aspect of me that you can't get your head around. It blows wherever it wants, but just as you hear it, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. You, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, just like the investigators, how are these things possible? One question into the next question, into the next question. There's never a last question. At this point, Jesus, I feel, in the Bible, the Cory Bible, he just puts his head on the table and just starts banging it. <laughs> He's like, Nicodemus, it is. It just is. It just is. It just works. It just works. It just works. Relax. The fives, who you're with is more important than what you know. Who you're with is more important than what you know. Next, let's get to the loyalists. The steadfastness of God. My brother, Ryan, is a six with probably a five wing. On either side of your number, you might be a wing that's like that. So I'm an eight with a seven wing, probably. Uh, he's a six with a five wing. So my brother, uh, Ryan, you want to talk about research and making sure everything is the loyalists, the, the loyalist people in society. We went on a trip to Mexico to Tulum. He probably spent a year researching his trip the year before we went. You know how much research I do before I go places? <laughs> Ten minutes what to do in, and then I forget what I read anyways. <laughs> he knew what bus to get on. I'm just like, I guess we'll just call a taxi. Ryan's like, how much would you pay for that? I don't know. <laughs> how do you live? <laughs> the loyalists, they, everybody's out to get you, so you got to figure it all out. Here's what it's like to be my brother Ryan. Here's what it's like to be a loyalist. I'm always imagining and planning for the worst. Anybody? Come on now. This sermon is now the worst. You, but you thought it was going to be worse than it already is. <laughs> Nervous laughter. When things are going well, I wonder what won't. 
Come on. Yeah. I'm really sure I've made the right decision. I just second guess myself forever. I don't like unpredictable situations. A fear. I got a lot of fear. It's dictated a lot of my choices. Yeah, here's one. Here's a funny one. It just reminded me of my brother. I don't trust people who give too many compliments. <laughs> what do they want from me? You got any skeptics out there? Some people are just happy to see you and actually think you look good. They actually like that hat you're wearing. If somebody's wearing a hat, I can't see anything out there. I'm sorry. But I'm skeptical of new and unknown things. I often don't trust those in authority. There's going to be a kicker here about authority that, that you need to hear. Or if you have a friend. Anybody got a friend who's a little bit skeptical? Nobody's got friends who are a little skeptical. They're probably sitting beside you and you're going to hurt their feelings. But they were expecting all of everybody to raise their hands. Anyways, so they've expected the worst and the worst hasn't happened. And that is somehow a good day. Um, Healthy sixes. But they're productive, logical thinkers who look out for the common good. They're loyal, honest, and reliable. Healthy sixes will believe that it all works out in the end. Sixes are people who believe in institutions. They volunteer. They believe in family. They believe in marriage. They believe in schools. They believe in education. They believe in church. These are people who do so much good in the world. And there's probably more sixes than anybody else in the world. These are people that, like, they literally on your team, they get stuff done. And they believe in what they're doing. Because they believe in you. At the average six, though, questions nearly everything. And they struggle getting out of their heads a bit because it's unsafe out there. And an unhealthy six, uh, there's this paranoia that starts to come. And if you're a six, this has probably happened, this panic that starts to come, that there's something bad lurking around every corner. Be careful. Just be careful. That, that person is out to get you. That company is out to get you. That boss is out to get you. This... Watch out for going to that church. You know what I mean? Like, when a, when a six gets unhealthy, there's just so much fear that's just rolling in and around. Everybody's looking at each other like, oh, that's you. Um, <laughs> they have a box marked zombie apocalypse in their garage, and they know that it's coming. <laughs> They've thought about it. They got, can, can I go through the list box? They got like an axe. They got like canned foods. They've got, I'm not even going to say it. It's too weird. See, but this is what happens, though. Sometimes what we do is, um, and, and don't necessarily put a, an unhealthy six on a dreaming part of your, your business. Or like, you know what we should do? Let's plan a family vacation. And they're like, oh, we can't go there. Planes are unsafe. Um, when you have an unhealthy six, don't put them on the, dream, uh, the dreaming team. But you need, you need some nervous apes, everybody. I'm talking next about the enthusiasts who are like monkey minds. Like, <laughs> There's all over the map, everybody. I love sevens. Just the energy is amazing. But you need some nervous apes. I, I, and now, I'm not an investigator, and I cannot remember where I heard this. And I asked for an She's like, I don't know where that was from, and I don't know how to see into your brain to find out where that was from. And I'm like, I don't know why my brain's a mess anyways. But what happened was, I think it was apes or hamsters or I don't know what it was. I think it was a group of apes. But what they did was they noticed some of the nervous apes. They pulled, they, they did a, a little, I don't know, an ape social study. I don't know. They pulled the nervous apes out of a group of apes because they're like, they're making everybody nervous. Like, what's that sound? So it's a lion. It's a lion. It's a lion. It's run. They took the nervous apes out of a group of apes, but then they visited the group of apes a year later and there were no more apes because you need people who are like, what's that sound? It's actually a lion this time, everybody. Like, you're going to do what with your company? That's insane. You haven't thought this through. Like, the, you're going to get crushed out there. You're going to marry who? 
Oh, no, 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 man. We need nervous apes in society. That's, uh, I don't even know where to take that now. But the deadly sin of the sixes is this uh, PTSD, but pre traumatic stress syndrome. I'm preaching somebody's language right now. See, fear has more to do with what's actually happening. Anxiety, though, and this is the sixes, has more to do with what might happen. Do you see how open-ended this is? Like, it's not like I might die at this stoplight today because I just ran through it right now. It's like, do you know how many stoplights there are? And if I just about, and then, and then pre-traumatic stress, man, you got to help sixes just get it under control. Like, stop. Just stop thinking. Okay. It's okay. Guys, we didn't even have elbow pads and knee pads and helmets when we were kids. We just thought that was nature weeding out the idiots. You know how many times I hit my head, man? Babies are tough. Kids are tough. Even kids with no brains are tough. We didn't die. You can let a baby cry themselves to sleep. It's okay. They're not going to die. Y'all need my grandma. But here's the kicker. And this is if you only take one thing on... Pre-traumatic, we'll take that home because it's kind of funny, the nervous apes. Um, they are overly focused on authority. And Churchill said it like this, of some people, just get this, it just they're either at your feet or at your throat. Regarding authority, they are over, they know who's in charge in every room. They're just, it freaks them out a little bit. And, and when they're in an unhealthy place, they either go from one side to the other. Now watch this. Like It's either they consider themselves slaves and there's this groveling aspect of it. Like God says, submit and obey. Yeah, but do you know like to an eight, let me just tell you how I think about that. Like I submit. I, 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 there's probably not many of you who would be more submitted and obedient. I don't come in cringing. It would never occur to me. What? No. God put authority there for my good. God said it? I'm good. But there's this fear aspect. They go from this like weird little thing to this like, I can't trust myself. You decide everything for me. This groveling weird thing. And then they start feeling like somebody's stepping on them when nobody's stepping on them. And then they take that view to their heavenly father. And God's like, no, no, you're a son. Yeah, I need you to obey, but you get the house. I need you to do this thing and pick up this cross and follow, but you get it all. No, no, not slavery. You remember the children of, Egypt, uh, of Israel? They came out of Egypt, and then they all had to die. Why? Because they would not release the spirit of slavery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can't be an army and still have a spirit of slavery. To this other side of things where they're like, God can't be trusted. People can't be trusted. My boss can't be trusted. My husband can't be trusted. Nobody can be trusted. Everybody is out to get me. If you can walk the middle line, guys, with your held, head held high and just be like, I sinned. I blew it. God, you said that I can come, and I can confess my sins, and I'm good, and I'm good. Because you said so. I don't have to. Guilt is there just till you repent. Then it goes away. The rest is called condemnation. You need to help sixes get over that and start seeing God as he really is. But as children, they were just Velcro for like the don't swim for 30 minutes after you eat food or you're going to get cramp and die. And if you go out at 29 minutes, you are absolutely dying and so is everybody else. This fear because often in their childhood, things were just tumultuous, just Listen, guys, they had bad surprises in their childhood. They're just trying to avoid the bad surprises, but help them live by faith. Is this good? About three in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Matthew chapter 14, we see Peter. 
Jesus is like, hey, guys, go across the river. But a storm rises up, and it's bad. And these are some of these guys are fishermen, and Peter's a fisherman. And, and Peter, his heart, watches how heart, his loyal heart is to Christ here. It says, uh, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus walks on water. Why? Because, listen, sixes, he can do anything. He is not bound to the laws of this world like you are because he made it all. He can literally turn your situation around like that. He can. That takes faith to believe. But Peter says, tell me to walk on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat. But watch this. Watch what the loyalists will do. They went over the side of the boat while everybody else still sat there and walked on the water towards Jesus. I love that. But when... But when he lost his focus and he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, began to sink, and he said, save me, Lord. And this is my favorite part. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. You're going to poke a little fun at you and be like, hey, why did you doubt me? Sixes. Who are you with? Sixes. Who are you with? Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Relax, I got it. It's like when Neela comes up to me on vacation, she's like, Dad, how much is this costing? And I'm like, Neela, baby. I got it. I could explain it, but you don't even get it. Just enjoy it. I made it for you. It's good. Now we have the enthusiasts. And in the enthusiasts, we see the joy of the Lord. You ever sight of an enthusiast in church and they're just like, lift their hands, get your hands up. Did you just lose your dog this morning or what? Come on, let's go. There's more dogs out there. Oh, that hurt somebody. I just like, the sixes are like, I knew it. Somebody's dog died. (laughs) I had a feeling something bad was going to happen today. (laughs) The joy of the Lord. We see the steadfastness of the Lord with the sixes. We see the omniscience of God with the fives, like the all-knowingness. We see the joy of the Lord on the face of the sevens. What it is like to be laden pan. Think, Layden, Peter Pan, think of the happiest thing. It's the same as having wings. Think of, think of, think of, think of, think of, off we go, like reindeer in the sky. We can fly, we can fly, we can fly. No, thank you. No. What is it like to be a seven and an enthusiast? Last minute adventure, I'm in. I have the worst case of FOMO. Ever. <laughs> Fear of missing out. I, I have the worst case. Like, you don't even know. I just don't want to miss the party, guys. Is there a party? But I rarely finish things because I have a monkey mind. And I'm charming. But my brain is all over. It's funny, though, that these people are also in the head triad because as confident as they look to you, they doubt themselves a lot. They overthink things a lot. It's just uh, that the enthusiast is outrunning their pain. See, a five wants to know everything so they can't get caught out of the net. Uh, A six hates bad surprises and is just already mentally prepared for the worst thing to happen. But a seven just keeps running. And they can because they're charming and they're like monkeys. You just can't catch them. When things get heavy, I crack a joke. Like... They're announcing company layoffs, and I'm like, oh, heart attack, fake, get a laugh. <laughs> Just too heavy, everybody. They don't love heavy conversations. They were, they're literally thinking of funny things to say if somebody is crying about anything ever. <laughs> the enthusiast. I could say so many things. 
but they have friends, lots of them. But they get bored easily and quickly. They have trouble committing to things because maybe the next thing is funner. So let's keep our options open right till the last minute. They avoid pain at all costs. But when a seven is healthy, every morning is a snow day. If you have a seven who's a child or you have a seven who's a friend, it's just like, this is the best day ever. And you're in bed just like, just leave me alone, man. Don't touch me. Don't, they're just like, everything is awesome. I can't wait for this day. So many fun surprises and disasters. It's going to be amazing. A healthy seven will accept life as it is. Not only as they want it to be, until they get unhealthy, and they're fun, adventurous, and uh, resilient. An average seven, get this, reframes everything positively, though. If you're only average, I'll talk more about that in a second. The anticipation to an average seven, if you're only average, you need to get healthy, is so amazing that reality is actually a bit disappointing. Like, I've so anticipated this thing that when it happened, it just wasn't as bright, and it wasn't as fun, and so on, and so on. It just... Couldn't quite, because my imagination, I've got Neverland, everybody. And this was like, oh, but then I, you know what I mean? Like, when they're unhealthy, they feel like they've been dealt an unfair hand. They can get a bit bitter. Uh, They avoid pain at all costs. And that leads to self-destructive behavior because they want fun. And they are like targets for addiction because addiction is fun with no commitment. And you got to watch it. You just got to watch it. You don't get in an unhealthy and bitter place. They tend to be reckless and take too many risks. I mean, they're just like, yes, bet the whole company on that idea. And they're like, on ice cream? We were just talking about getting ice cream. They're like, yes, ice cream. I like it. The core sin is gluttony, which means jam as much pleasure into the moment as possible. Worship team can come on up. Jam as much pleasure into the moment as possible. But they run with way too much much optimism. Like, too much. They, you can't nail them down and be like, hey, this thing is not working in your life. No, it's not. No, it's fun. No, it's fun. We're just going to go and we're just going to go. We're just going to go ride a roller coaster. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. They have an amazing uh, gift, and it's terrible, of reframing literally everything. It is instantaneous, mostly unconscious. They will defend, Peter Pan, a stupid decision till the death rather than admit that it didn't work. They will, they will reframe it. They will have 57 arguments about why it actually worked out in the end. Honey, the, if you're married to a seven, honey, we, we didn't pay the electricity bill. They're going to cut off the electricity. We'll light candles. It'll be a sleepover. Honey, you wrecked a car. I wanted a new car anyways. Responsibility. Responsibility. If you ask them about their childhood, though, it was wonderful. But dig a little bit deeper, and you will find that they were made to feel overwhelmed, and they just needed to be in a better place. And they just made a better place. See, they just go to Neverland because it's easy. But here's how you help a seven. Help them practice restraint and moderation. Because, look, joy is a little bit different than current happiness. Joy is an investment. You need to discipline yourselves, sevens, to spiritual disciplines, to bodily man you need to you need to exercise because you have way too much monkey energy and you're killing us so take a few laps around the block before you step in the door man just run the energy off or you're going to get yourself into trouble but life is an investment and, and if you invest a little now you get a lot of joy back later if you pick up a cross now there's a resurrection 
When you help somebody now and you sacrifice, there's so much more that comes back in the end. It's not just all about in the moment and running away from it. But if they ever feel sad or admit that they've done something wrong, pat them on the back and be like, I'm so proud of you for growing up. (laughs) You're doing good. Sometimes uh, joy can happen in the middle of deep sadness. And sometimes without the sadness, the joy is not as deep. And there is a Jesus to find in the midst of sadness and admission of sin and admission of fault. There is a Jesus to be found there, an aspect of Jesus that you will never find when everything is clear. He is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Come on, can I hear an amen? And here we see, as the ark of God entered the city of David, now watch your response to enthusiasts, everybody, because David is having a worship session. His wife, Michael, though, looks down and sees David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for him. You come in and they're in the worship service like, all to Jesus. They're like kids, man. Just pick me up, Jesus. And you come in, but you start feeling contempt. You're like, you don't know the pain that I'm in. I can't do that. And they're like, man, we got pain on top of pain. We're just running away from it. But we're running to Jesus. See, uh, holiness is not the same thing as boring. Grumpiness is not a sign of holiness, everybody. They choose joy. But when David returned home to bless his own family, his wife came out to meet him. How distinguished, she says, the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls. What? Probably six. What? Like any vulgar person might do. Are you just mad? Are you just, want to, are you just mad because you're miserable and I'm happy? You need an enthusiast in your life. Feel something good. Let's go. But David said, I was dancing before the Lord. I have no guards up between me and the Lord. And he chose me above your father and all his grumpy family. I'm a raving fan of what God has done for my people and what God has done for me. I'm a raving fan. We're not somewhere on the same level. I'm a raving fan of Jesus. I, I, I could never save myself from all of what he saved me from. And he says in verse 22, yes, and I'm willing to even look more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. This is what I love about a seven. They will drown their pride in their worship. I don't think you heard that. They will drown their pride in their worship. They will turn it up and let their pride go down. I don't care how you see me. I'm going to be enthusiastic for the Lord, my God, because he's got it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, help us appreciate the joy of the Lord that we see in the enthusiast, the steadfastness of God and the loyalty of God to his people that we see. And the loyalist, Father, and in the investigators, let us appreciate the understanding and knowledge of God. That, that how you handle us is very well thought out and planned. But thank you that as David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of, this, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, not of what I know, but because you are with me. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.